Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Today is actually the last week of this series, and I'm so over, overcome, overwhelmed by how much I appreciate church, that God Amen. thought up church, that we get to gather together, and I just think about over the years how much I've learned you know, even as a kid in Sunday school and you know, I just grown so much from the support, the wisdom from other people, the, the prayers I've had. I've been healed many times, many places in my body through prayer from other people. Have you guys, you know, have you been impacted by church? I just, just feel this overwhelming thankfulness. Um, actually, just a couple weeks ago, I had been like, um, just sort of oppressed by this spirit of depression all week. And I was fighting it, and I was praying, spending time with the Lord. Um, and it lasted seven days, but it was during a Sunday morning service when we were all gathered. It was at Nichols. Bill and I um, primarily served there. But um, it, just worshiping and proclaiming the name of Jesus that it broke off of me. And I'm like, oh, I'm so thankful for church, so thankful for church. Um, and we know the, the title of my sermon today is um, The Heart of a Servant. And we know that serving is such an important aspect of church. And we've touched on that a little bit um, in this series so far. But we know that Christ was the ultimate example of a servant giving his life. And he's called us as his followers to, to live like that, to serve one another. What you do for the least of these, you do for me. What you do for that stranger, that person in the grocery store, what you do for your child when no one else sees, um, you are actually doing that for Jesus. Galatians 6.10 says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So here there's a specific call to especially our fellow believers. How can we do good and serve one another? And um, so this morning, we, I um, just want to encourage us to look at our own hearts and, and say, do I have the heart of a servant? We are going to look at um, an amazing miracle when Jesus feeds 5,000, and we're going to see how the boy in the story who was willing to give his lunch, that he is an amazing example of, of someone with a servant's heart, and we're going to learn from this story this morning. And so... What I want to do is um, I'm going to read it to you. This story is found in all four of the Gospels. I'm going to read to you the account from John. And then we're going to act it out just for some fun, just to really make the story come alive for us this morning. So if you're kind of a charades person or you're feeling a little sleepy this morning, you, you can pop right up and, and be a character in this story. I think that'll be fun. And then we'll, we'll break it down and, and see what we can learn from it. All right, you ready? Here we go. John 6, 1. <clears throat> Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. 
Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Uh, You can tell that Andrew is a little bit like his brother. That sounds like something Peter would say, what everyone's thinking. How, really, Jesus, how far is this going to go among so many? Um, But Jesus says, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. They did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves that were left over from, by those who had eaten. All right. So now it's time to act it out. We, who wants to be a, some disciples? I need some disciples. Shad, you're good. Okay. Shad, how about, how about do you want to be Philip or Andrew? I need, come on. I need a, a few. Jamie, come on up. G, I need a Jesus. Bill, will you be Jesus? Okay, a couple more disciples. Come on, Nina and Paul, you guys can be disciples. <laughs> uh, Micah, will you be the boy willing to give his lunch? Okay, you can sit down because you're in the crowd. And then you guys are actually all participating because you're the multitude who is going to be very hungry in just a minute. Okay? Okay, so... We're going to see all of their charade skills at its best. So, so Jamie, you'll be Andrew, and Shad, you'll be Philip, and Bill is Jesus, and then you guys are all disciples, okay? So, <laughs> all right, so here we go. So, so you guys are actually all very tired, the disciples. You were just sent out two by two. To preach the gospel, you've just come back, you're reporting to Jesus how it went, you're tired, Jesus is quite sad, John the Baptist has just been beheaded, and so Jesus says, you guys need to come and rest, we need, you need to come and eat, we need to get away, and so you're actually taking your disciples away to a solitary place for some rest, so go to this imaginary solitary place. <laughs> But you, <laughs> but, but this large crowd has followed. You get there. It is not a quiet, solitary place because there's all these people. <laughs> and here's, here's Jesus. He has compassion on the crowd. He sees that there are sheep without a shepherd. And so he begins to teach them and he begins to heal their sick. Is anybody sick this morning? Jesus heals. <laughs> okay, and teaches them many things. Now it's all day. Now it's really late. And you, you smart disciples are noticing how late it is. And so you say to Jesus, Jesus, send, <laughs> Jesus, send these people away. It, so tell them, you need you know, to send them. <laughs> they, they need to go get food. They're going to have to go somewhere to a, a neighboring village. They need to find some food. But then Jesus tells his disciples, you give them something to eat. 
And in fact, he whispers to Philip, he says, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Ooh, good job, Chad. Ooh. <laughs> and then, so then Jesus says to his disciples, well, what do we have? Go and see. So you tell your disciples, go and see what there is. Go and see. Go among the people. What do they have? Go and see. And then Andrew finds a boy. Andrew, you come back and you have a boy who, who has, Micah, offer your, he's a boy. He says, I have a lunch. Okay, so you come with Andrew and you bring it to Jesus. And, and, um, <laughs> here's his lunch. He's going to give that. And so Jesus takes that. He gives thanks for it. Thanks. And he begins to break it. <laughs> and he breaks it. The disciples distribute it. And everyone has their fill. Yeah, and there's some little tuna cans for the fish. <laughs> All right, let's give our actors and actress a hand. Good job. Oh, that was fun. All right. Okay, so the so actually as I was praying about this message and I said, God, who, who can I learn from in the Bible? Who had the heart of a servant that I can really learn about and share with the people? And he said, the, the boy in the story when I fed the 5,000. I was like, okay, well, this will be cool. So here's what um, the Lord showed me. Two things that, the, that um, the boy had. He believed that his lunch had worth, and he wanted to give what he had. He believed that his lunch had worth. He recognized, I have what Jesus is asking for. There is value in what I have. As small as it may be, as meager as it may be, I have something that Jesus is asking for. The boy didn't say, my five loaves and two fish aren't good enough. What I have is not good enough. Um, It actually would be so embarrassing to give what I have because it's so small. Um, You know, he, he, Jesus didn't laugh at the boy's lunch. He didn't say, oh, seriously, this? You're giving me this? Now, if you had had ten loaves and five fish, then I could have maybe done something with it. But I can't use this. I can't use what you have. No, that is not what Jesus said. He, he, um, he used what, what the boy gave because it didn't really matter how much the boy had because it was Jesus who was going to do the multiplying. It was Jesus who was going to do the feeding. He was just looking for a servant to, to see that, oh, I have something that Jesus is asking for. I have something that I can offer, and, and it's up to Jesus to use it. I'll serve. I'll sacrifice," said the boy. He didn't. The boy didn't say, "Well, I'm just a kid." You know, he didn't invalidate him, himself. How could I possibly make a difference? The other important people should do it. You know, I'm not. 
I'm, I'm not important. I shouldn't do it. You know, he didn't invalidate himself because of his age or, or because of any reason. But you know what he had? He had the faith of a child, and he was a child, so that was probably a little easier for him to have the faith of a child. <laughs> we adults, you know, have to work at that a little bit more. Um, but it was so simple. Jesus needs food. I have some. As simple as that. A simple faith. He didn't overcomplicate anything. In, um, in Matthew 18, um, the disciples ask Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus actually calls a little child and said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And so any opportunity in life, guys, that we can be more childlike in our faith and the way we interact with God, the better. That is how we enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's through humility also. Humility is so important. So the application for this first point, do we see value in what we have? Or do we invalidate what we could give? Or do we invalidate ourselves? Are we looking at our lunch with only natural eyes? Or do we have the faith of a child and factor in Jesus' ability to multiply and use what we can offer to feed others? Okay, point number two. He wanted to give what he had. He was willing. He was actually willing to go without food for others. He didn't know Jesus was going to multiply it. He thought he was going to be hungry, probably. Because in the natural, if I give you something, I don't have it anymore. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Um, but, but God doesn't work in the natural. He works in the supernatural. So actually how God works is when you give God what you have, you end up getting more than you had before. Everyone ate their fill. He could have eaten way more than five loaves and two fish. What if, what if the five loaves and two fish wouldn't have filled him up? He could have, they all ate their fill. And so um, he was willing to give what he had. He was willing to go hungry. But with God, that's not how God works. That's not how he treats his servants, his willing servants. He fills them. But why did the boy end up getting filled? It's because he stuck around. He stayed. He put himself in position to be fed. What if he had said, here's my lunch. You know, I've done this good deed. I wanted to give it. But now I'm without. Now I'm going to be hungry. So bye. I'm going to leave now. No, he stayed. He, he, he sat down in groups of 50. He, he sat in community. He put himself in position to be filled, to be fed. You know, what if you are, what if you make coffee or what if you serve here at church and you just came and made the coffee and left? Or you, you just poured out and you left and you never put yourself in a position to be filled. And so we can really learn from this boy in how he, he stuck around and he trusted that he would 
be filled and trusted. He had a trusting heart. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sure you guys have thought about this before when you've read this story. But, you know, with 5,000 men plus women and children, how many people were there? Maybe like 10 or 12,000 or something? You know that with that many people, someone else had to have food along. You know what I mean? Like, was he seriously the only one in like 10,000 people that had food? Probably not. But I think there's three reasons why nobody else gave. Number one, they either didn't see the value in what they had as worth giving. They didn't want to give. They weren't willing to give it. Or maybe they didn't know there was a need. That's like the logical part of me that goes, you know, with that many people, did the disciples really let everyone know we're looking for food? Maybe the word only got out to a, a small group of them or something. Um, but I know that there, were, that there had to have been other food there. But, but the boy didn't wait for someone else. He gave. He didn't say, well, someone else with more time or money should do it. Someone else who's better. Somebody, I know. I saw that lady over there. She's got a lunch. She had some real good stuff over there. She she should do it. You know. Um, he he didn't say, or he didn't just judge. He also didn't judge the people who didn't give what they had. You know that I know she's got a snack in her bag. <laughs> you know he he's not. He didn't have this condemning, judgmental attitude. He wasn't prideful. I'm. You know, he wasn't like, I'm too good to give. I'm too good to do that job. I'm too good to help in this way. No, he didn't do any of those things because he was too busy being a part of the story. He was too busy being a part of the miracle. He was right, I mean, because it says Andrew brought the boy in his lunch. He's probably right there when Jesus took it. And Jesus thanked God and began to break it. And he's probably going, that's my lunch. My lunch is feeding all these people. I mean, how he was too busy being a part of the story, being a part of the miracle, to let anything like that hold him back. So the application for that, are we willing to offer what we have? Do we want to give what we have, or do we hold back? Do we think, if I give what I have, I'll be without? Do we have that lack mentality, or do we see um, with Christ that when we give, we actually end up getting more than what we had before? Um, do we wait for someone else to step up or make excuses, or do we, do we step up? So maybe you're like, all right, Marilee, this sounds good. I'm tracking with you, but how does that apply to us as a church, to New Day here in Vandalia? Well, let's break it down practically. There's lots of different ways you can serve that you can let your servant heart out. And many of you do. You guys are awesome. There's so many amazing people who serve and help. It's, it's beautiful. But one of the things you could do is you could join a serve team. These teams help make Sunday services happen. The worship team, running the sound, running the graphics so we can sing along to the words, taking care of the babies, teaching the kids, greeting at the door, prayer. You know, there's all these ways that you can serve, that you can say, oh, I have something to offer for Jesus to use. That's what Israel was talking about when he said, it's not like these are super people over here. It's not about them. It's about them being willing, and it's God who multiplies and uses and does the miracle through their servant's heart.
So you could join a team, you know, um, and if that's you, talk to Shana, talk to Mark and say, you know, in humility, say, could I learn? Is there a place I, could I serve here? Could I be trained and, and learn how to, you know, do this or that to help and, and be a servant here at New Day? But I want to say that Jesus doesn't call you to give what you don't have. And so maybe you're in a stage of life where you can't um, be a part of a team for whatever reason. Do not feel bad about that. Give what you do have. Um, you know, some people, their work schedule doesn't allow them or their, their family schedule, they can't commit to what that team would require. Well, that's fine, but you still have something. You can, you can serve by giving a, a hug, give an encouraging word. Someone who's going through something that you've been through, you could pray for them. You could invite somebody over to lunch and bless them. You know, you know some a friend's working on a project or whatever, and you, or, or somebody you know is struggling with with a with a project they're working on, and you you offer to help. Whatever creative way, whatever you have, we all have things within us that we can that we can use to serve. Um, there there are these are all ways that we can offer what we have and allow God to feed the crowd through your gift. So another thing that I love that um, the Lord revealed to me about this passage is um, when, it, when it says Jesus tests Philip. Um, it says, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. So Jesus is such a good leader, so good at like training us, training his followers. And, and he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew he was going to take some little pieces of bread and voila, you know, he knew what he was going to do. But he wanted to see how Philip would look at the situation. He drew him in. Philip, here's this natural problem. All these people who are hungry. Are you going to see a supernatural solution or are you going to see a natural solution? He wanted Philip to get it. And, and Philip, in this case, obviously had a very natural solution. And he's like, uh, eight months' wages, we won't even, everyone will get a nibble, you know. And, but he, he, he drew Philip in. He needed Philip to get it because he had great things that he was going to do with Philip. And so he had to show him, look through supernatural eyes, because this is the same Philip who in Acts 8, Jesus says, go down this road, catch up with that chariot. And Philip's like, okay, I mean, who, you know, this is pretty radical. He's, he's pretty used to the supernatural by now, right? He got it. He really got it. He catches up with the chariot. Jesus is like, stick with it. So he's just staying with this chariot. How fast is he running? I don't know, but it's pretty incredible. And then um, he's like overhearing that the eunuch inside, this man inside, is reading the scriptures and is confused and doesn't even know what they mean. So the, so the eunuch is just keeping pace with the chariot. Hey, I could explain that to you if you want. And so the eunuch's like, sure, come on in. So they pull over. Philip gets in explains the scripture to him. The man believes, wants to be immediately baptized. There's some water. They pull over. He's getting baptized. 
Just as he's coming out of the water, the man comes up and Philip's gone because the Spirit has lifted him up and taken him to a different city to preach the gospel. <laughs> what? What is that? Okay, so um, see, see, Jesus needed to test him because he was like, Philip, I need you to learn how to factor in the supernatural. I want to do some really cool things together with you. You know, you've got to see that with me, I change everything. And so I just wonder if the reason that maybe that we're not running super speed to catch up with chariots or seeing people miraculously saved and baptized or being transported to a different city is because we haven't passed the first test yet. What if we're looking at problems and we say it would take more than eight months wages for everyone to have a bite of bread? What if we're still there? What if we see all of our problems just with natural eyes, kind of a negative, how could this, no hope? And Jesus is saying, look through supernatural eyes. Everyone can have their fill. That is what I want you to see. Um, and so I just I want to say, if you're a leader today, if you're a serve team leader or a leader in the church or a leader in some capacity in life, we can really learn from this. Jesus is saying to us today, look with those supernatural eyes. And then go out among the people. Go and see. What do we have? What do we have to work with? As leaders, we're called to go out and see who has a lunch, who knows that what they have is worth giving and wants to give it. Draw it out. Bring them here to me so I can multiply and feed the congregation. It's not up to the, to the leader to feed the crowd. Our job as leaders is to go and see and bring them to Jesus and trust him to multiply and see with supernatural eyes, and believe with supernatural eyes. All right. So um, if you are here today, and and you could really relate to the eunuch in the story, I don't know all of you here today, I don't know where you're at with the Lord, but maybe you've had some questions about Jesus. You're, you, um, you don't have a relationship with him, but you feel a pull towards him and you have some questions. And so I would just encourage you that today is the day of salvation, that Jesus loves you. God loves you. He desires a relationship with you. It's not by accident that you're here today. And so I'd encourage you before you leave, talk to someone, talk to me, someone on the prayer team or whoever brought you and, and, um, and learn how you can come into relationship with, with the Lord today. It's amazing. He's such a good God. So um, just in conclusion, um, sorry, I got behind on my slides. You know, that I've, I've really, you know, attempted to describe for you a servant's heart. And, you know, this is the kind of heart that we are striving toward to have. And if as I've explained it to you this morning, you say, yeah, that's me. I've got it. I, I've got this servant's heart. I know I have something to give, and I, I love to give it. Then great. I hope today has just been a good reminder for you to stay the course. Um, but if your attitude towards serving isn't like the boy in this story... And then today is a great day to repent and change and begin to have a servant's heart. And, um, and you know, maybe you say, well, Marilee, I'd love 
to have a servant's heart. I'd like to do that, but I am stuck. I've been insecure my whole life, <clears throat> or, <clears throat> you know, if I give, I just, I just have to take care of me because um, that takes all my time and energy just to take care of myself. Well, <clears throat> I'm just going to plug healing and restoration really quick. <laughs> Um, if you have these things that hold you back, insecurity, fear, uh, lack of trust, pride, well, there's probably something that happened in your life or lots of some things that happened in your life or there's been a pattern in your family line, in your generational line that is keeping you bound. There's a wound, there's a stronghold that can be broken. You can be set free because all the emotional energy that it takes for you to tend to your wounds, to hide your wounds, to compensate for them, to make excuses for them, that is all emotional energy that could be freed up for you to put that emotional energy elsewhere to encourage someone else, to serve somewhere, and you don't have capacity if you are so bound by... Whatever wound, whatever that is, it's holding you back. And I want to just say, if you grew up in a time where you were taught something tough happens, forget about it, it's in the past, move on. You don't look back at it and evaluate it. And if you grew up like that, it might be hard to hear with, about healing and restoration because I'm asking you to look back at it, telling you it's important to be healed so that you can move on. Um, so I just encourage you to please consider the benefit of healing and restoration in your life, um, especially if you grew up that way, because it really does hold you back, and I don't want you guys to be held back in any way. We want to be a church free and um, just full of people with the heart of a servant.